Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday morning as we check in with you at the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. I am joined by my esteemed guest who wasn't able to to make his podcast yesterday, but most agreeable to coming onto my podcast today. It is Zach Mikosh, host of the Pickaxe Podcast Show. Zach, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I, I like that you pointed out. Like, let's put it out there for everyone. Like, I'm obliged. <laughs> okay, I'm obliged for this Nuggets is, numbers today. This is a roast session. That is how right. we are handling this from now on. Cool, uh, I deserve it. No, like it's it's all good. We've we've had a lot of great content up over at Denver Stiffs. Last Friday was honestly one of the best days that I've been a part of. Uh, in terms of our content coming off of a game, it was it was a tough game, but there was a lot of monthly recaps, uh, weekly stuff. Zach and I have been doing a great thing on the weekends where Zach will recap the week, the previous week on Sunday, and then I will kind of preview the week on Monday, preview the upcoming week, and we do some different things. We do some cool things, uh, some stats stuff, some if you've missed any podcasts, then Zach has got you. Uh, if you're looking for some betting and fantasy information, then I've got you on Mondays, so make sure to check those out if you're looking to catch up on some Nuggets coverage. Also, make sure to check out all of the other podcasts on the Denver Stiffs podcast channel. We've been doing great work. Uh, Nick and Jeremy have been doing wonderful work with the dig so far. Breaking basketball has been awesome. I've really enjoyed the the commentary that they've added on to the Nuggets season. And a lot of it is honestly coming to pass. Those guys are almost prophetic in terms of what they are predicting. And so it's been great. Zach will have an editorial up tomorrow, or I, we're recording this on Monday night. I will have stat of the week up tomorrow. It was supposed to be up Monday. Don't hate me. Uh, we're, ha- we're having a grand old time. This is an hour roast session for Ryan. That's true, uh, <laughs> yes. We're just going to talk entirely there. There'll be no actual Nuggets numbers. It'll just simply be us talking about how we're failing right now. Uh, getting our content up in a timely fashion. But hey, you know, like all good things come to those who wait. Drowning in the amazing content, man. <laughs> I'm going to be fired <laughs> yeah. like next week. No, I need you too badly, honestly. Uh, okay, well, let's actually get into some Nuggets talk because we have dilly-dallied for far too long. Zach, I have started off my show over the past few weeks with three Nuggets numbers of the week. Uh, those are coming up right now. Are you ready? I am ready. This is a defensive-focused podcast. I wanted to get into this because the Nuggets defense right now is ranked 14th in defensive rating, uh, 104.9. That's pretty good. I think that's that's actually better than where they were to, to end the year last year. A lot of the teams that are above them are unsustainable, but I think the Nuggets are sustainable, and here's why. These are the three numbers that I think Nuggets fans need to remember. 13.2 is the number of deflections that the Nuggets have right now. They are 27th in the NBA. Usually you want those deflections to be higher than that. 13.2 is actually a really low number, but in spite of that, the Nuggets have been generating misses from the opposing team. Zach, the Nuggets are a team that doesn't necessarily rely on athleticism to defend. How can you when you employ Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic, honestly? But they have been wonderful in terms of positional defense, of being in the right place at the right time, preventing the right shots from the right right places, and just trusting their defense and trusting that the opposing team will miss. Uh, That 13.2 deflections per game number, does that stand out to you at all in the good or bad way? 
Well, if you're 27th in the league, I think in anything you probably are. Um, not doing it, obviously. You're not doing it as well as the majority of the league. In fact, you're quite near the bottom. So, uh, you know, I, the thing about the Nuggets that you mentioned is, I mean, they're not they're not necessarily quick, though. They do have quick hands. Like, one thing about Jokic and Milsap, both very, very strong uh, with their hands in terms of defense and strong defensive IQ allows them to position themselves well. So I, say, I think it's somewhat surprising um, because this is a team you would expect who should be able to generate a lot of steals, especially with, you know, you got Torrey Craig and, and, and Gary Harris now out on the perimeter with Will Barton hurt that that's, uh, and then, and then when you think about the bench, you know, the incredible length they've got right now with Jeremy Grant, uh, and Michael Porter Jr., Mason Plumley. So it, I guess I guess it's a bit surprising to to find out that they're that low, especially because they've been pretty good defensively so far this season. Agreed. And I just wanted to go back between the numbers from last year and the numbers from this year. Nikola Jokic is averaging a full deflection more this year than he was last year. So I think that that point definitely stands. Like he's been he's been great. Uh, where the nut and. Let's let's look at this from from the rest of the players' perspectives. Uh, these guys in last year's categories were a couple of guys above two with Gary Harris and Paul Millsap. Everybody else kind of in between one and two in the in the normal rotation. This year it hasn't really been the case quite yet. But the reason why I am actually really encouraged by where the Nuggets are is because in spite of that. They have been solid. And the, the right. second number, the second number that I think is really important that people should be paying attention to, 24.0. That is the three-pointers allowed uh, per game that are above the key. Uh, the Nuggets are never going to be a great corner shooting uh, defending team. Uh, simply because they have Nikola Jokic. He's not going to be that mobile. They have decided that they are going to uh, play him up on the screen. Uh, when they're when they're defending pick and rolls, when they're he they're letting him be aggressive, and that's going to make the Nuggets a little bit more uh, vulnerable, I would say, to the corner shots. But above the key is where the Nuggets can really limit those looks because Nikola Jokic is playing so high, and twenty four point oh three point attempts allowed is 24th in the NBA. It's the seventh lowest number. That's really good. And and when you talk about a, a proper defensive scheme, you want to limit as many of those shots in the valuable places as you can. And so Denver's been doing a great job of that. Uh, final number and kind of in relation to it is how many, like the points per possession for ball handlers. Uh, it's the second best in the NBA right now, 0.68 points per possession. That means that the Nuggets are attacking opposing ball handlers really well. It's Luka Doncic, it's CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, it's uh, De'Aaron Fox and Jeru Holiday and guys like that. If the Nuggets can be able to neutralize these point guards, I think that this defense is for real. Uh, but we're going to have to see. We're going to we're going to figure that out. This could be small sample size. How would you feel if I told you the Nuggets were uh, the second best in the NBA at preventing these ball handlers from scoring at those ranges? Well, I think some of it goes towards who they've been playing. Um, that you talk about like guys like CJ McCollum and uh, Luka Doncic. Those are guys who who they've drawn Gary Harris as their matchup, uh, which which is considerably more difficult than Jamal Murray. So that that I think is somewhat limiting them, just because the Nuggets have played some teams who don't necessarily always operate through. Uh, a traditional point guard per se, and that's and that's kind of given them, um, you sure. know, Drew Drew Holiday same way. Like you know, they, they play a lot with with he's playing next to Lonzo Ball there. So like there's a, there's a lot of times you they you're ending up drawing the very best defender, uh, perimeter defender at least uh, that the Nuggets have. So I think that's probably more so related to it. it. Though it is, it would be surprising, yes, because the Nuggets don't do. They're not a, typically a great. At containing the dribble, they're just not like it's they're they're the Nuggets are at their best defensively when teams are honestly trying to uh, penetrate into the lane and and then are getting clogged up with Jokic and Millsap in there. Whereas when you've got ball handlers attacking from out on the perimeter, usually off of a pick and roll where they're they're involving Jokic in some way, that's that's the basically been the Achilles heel of this defense. So for them to be able to stop the ball handler. 
uh, was second best in the league. That is, yeah, that's that, that's actually quite surprising. But again, I, I think big credit to Gary Harris on that more than anyone. Agreed, and and that's that's been a a major matchup thing that the Nuggets have benefited from. I will say, and this kind of surprised me. The I just looked up the numbers from last year. Uh, the defensive number for the Nuggets in the pick and roll uh, with the ball handler is actually very low as well. They are the fifth lowest uh, on the year last year, and I think what that what that really leads to is that when you've got a guy like, let's say, James Harden, the Nuggets really struggle with James Harden because he can pass out of that. And the, the other guys it's can... It's like Capella kills him. Yeah, Capella kills them. He can hit the guys in the corner, P.J. Tucker, those those types of players. That That is what kills them. However, the Nuggets are playing Nikola Jokic basically next to Jamal Murray when guarding that ball screen. And when you have to play against two players, I'm sure that it, it bothers guys like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry a little bit, uh, as, especially in a straight-up pick-and-roll setting. Uh, but if those guys can make the pass, then that they become a lot more difficult. Denver's defense is broken down a little bit more. That's where the quick hands come in and where you hope that those deflections get higher with Nikola Jokic and and leading leading the team in deflections right now because of his quick hands. We'll see if that holds up. We'll see if they can make that work. How hard is it how hard is it for you to look up who led the team in deflections last season? Uh let me let me take a look. I'm going to I'm almost there. Um, I was just looking it up right before you said it. It was Jokic last year. He was a two two point four. That yeah, that's not. And, and boom, there you go, haters who think Jokic <laughs> can't play defense. I was gonna say that, that doesn't actually surprise me at all because like yeah, that guy. Uh, I would I would already. It's, it's really between him or Millsap, right? Who's probably got the quickest hands um, on the team, and, and then when he with uh, coupled with his IQ, you know, he just has the ability to kind of see passes happening. Not only does he see passes that he wants to make before they happen. He also sees passes that the other the opposition, I think, is uh, trying to attempt somewhat time, sometimes before they happen, and that really helps him out uh, as well. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that is interesting, though. I mean, I wonder – and we obviously don't have time for this, but I was like, I wonder how many other teams their center uh, leads them in deflections. It's very rare. It's it's not something that you generally expect, uh, especially from from kind of somebody who's a little bit lumbering is what I would describe him as. And so that's a right. that's a good strong indicator that the Nuggets can continue this. But I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to break down these defensive performances a little bit more in depth. Uh, there there are some things we could talk about individually with players. Lots of interesting points. I think that Malone made today in his press conference about what the defense is looking like. So when we come back, we'll talk about more of that in just a bit. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers with Zach Mikosh here, graciously gracing me with his presence for this podcast. I I am honestly very happy to not have to do this Nuggets Numbers podcast by myself. It's been a it's it's a tough one when you when you have to talk for 30 straight minutes by yourself. It's the absolute worst. Like that's that's why it's why I have Gordon Gross now on on the pickaxe. I've made him come on every week. So I was like, man, I, those weeks when I can't uh, for whatever reason it falls through, you don't have a guest and it's just like, eh. I gotta just talk to myself for thirty minutes, you know, like me especially because like I'll just like I need someone there to like keep me from just rambling. So when I just I'm like supposed to ramble for thirty minutes, oh man, we get into we get into some weird some weird places. You gotta have some great notes, and then that's been <laughs> right. that's been really helping me. Uh, I want to get more into these defensive takeaways. I think the defense has just improved a lot over the last couple of years, but is it just like? There's been a thought in my head that it's not necessarily the Nuggets just being better on defense. It's the fact that they have grown up a little bit, that they've they've grown to understand that they just need to try a little bit harder. It's not necessarily that they're 
that much better. It's that that they're just trying. Is is that is is does that go hand in hand? Is that are those different? Uh, well, what do you think this is about? I think yeah, no, I think that, that that's a certainly a, a part of it. I think you're also going to look at the fact that it's what like year five now for Coach Malone. Right. Um, they're ex- pretty much it's that continuity that we were talking about. Like these guys are, are, are all pretty much the exact same group uh, as last year, with the exception of Jeremy Grant. Uh, and now a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. Since Will Barton's been out, they they're going to um, just naturally, I think, improve defensively because it's just that's something where I think you really see that uh, that continuity play in effect because the, the terminology is that much quicker, the the reads off of each other is that much quicker, which allows them to you know they react that much quicker on defense, which which gives them uh, a bit more of an advantage. And so that that to me, I would say. Is, is where I would point to and then and, and then like you said maturity I mean there there is more effort having a guy like a Paul Millsap on the team uh, now in year in year three like there's no more like trying to change the culture like when you brought him in he was trying to like change somewhat of that defensive culture really get people to buy into what Malone was saying that's done now so you're now now you're just executing that culture uh, and you're fine-tuning it so that I, I mean because you can't there's no you can't certainly there's not like one player you can point to and like oh this guy is just so much better now defensively I mean Gary Harris is playing outstanding so far this year uh, but but largely this is the same group it's always been who's had their struggles in the past so it's yeah I think it's 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 a matter of maturity and continuity Gary Harris really has taken that next step, and I want to talk about him in just a little bit. But let's look at these individual performances game by game. I I wanted to showcase the defensive ratings from each of these games because I think that they, they lend a better picture to where Denver is at than they would have otherwise. So Malone has talked about this. They had four great defensive performances and two awful ones. The great performances were in order from best to worst. Uh, This Orlando game, 92.6 defensive rating. That is unbelievable. That is what you expect from a team led by Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. That was was a wonderful thing. And could that have been because the... Orlando Magic are an awful offensive team. Yes, it could. They just started Markel Fultz in his first offensive game in his first game at point guard. That's uh, that's a one. I I don't know if you can just necessarily throw out, but at least take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the Portland game, where they had a ninety eight point zero defensive rating, that's against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Uh, there, I I don't know how many better guard duos there are in the NBA than those two and the Nuggets know that firsthand they know that that's a a big deal that they had to step up there Gary Harris in particular really stepped up in that game I think he held CJ McCollum to 5 of 18 from the field that's a big deal Uh, what do you what are you seeing from Denver's defense on on kind of those those game by game basis,es and actually let me let me let me show the the other great performances here. Phoenix one hundred point nine defensive rating. They lost DeAndre Ayton in that one, but they they still had uh, like what like Devin Booker and right. Ricky Rubio and guys like that. Like those are probably more important players for their offense. And then Sacramento, who has a lot of offensive struggles with them, one hundred two point two. Of those four great performances, which one do you think is the most indicative that Denver is here to stay? And which one are you most like curious about? Like, like can can we just throw those out? And are those are those really indicative of Denver being a great defense? Right. I mean, the one the one that maybe you you maybe throw throw out is the Suns game, right? Just because. Uh, like you said, you don't have Aiton. The the Suns are it's they're kind of I, I just don't know what to think of them as a team right now. They're they're playing really well, um, but I, nobody's really buying it yet, right? Like I mean, right. I know I know I know the fans of Phoenix are, and, and more power to them. They absolutely should be. But like outside of Phoenix, like nobody's really uh, all all into that. I still don't think that they're necessarily that good. Uh, and of it's, an it's their team. defense. It's their defense that has been like has right. taken the major right. step forward. Their offense, like like we said, is still is still suspect. And so, can you can you really take that into account for Denver? Right. And and so the, the games you I think you look at. I mean, obviously the Blazers, like you said, because of the talent. 
uh, out, out there, particularly in the backcourt. But honestly, the Magic game, I don't think you should we should throw out just because it was phenomenal. Like they, yeah, like the, the Orlando is not a a very strong team offensively, but they only scored eighty seven points. Like they, True. the Nuggets, and the Nuggets did not play very well in the first half. They could have they could have absolutely got blown out in that game had it not been for their defense, particularly in the second quarter when I think they held I think they held them to like something like. Uh, I can't remember. Like it was like twenty points or something like that, or under. Uh, it was great. They they they, they know what they're doing on on that end, and with with a team like Orlando, I think they match up really well with that kind of group because uh, Nikola Vucevic went off a little bit, but but the perimeter talent there just wasn't what it needed to be, and I think that the one, two, and three are kind of the most important positions for attacking Denver, uh, which which kind of leads me to the Sacramento game, like. De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald should have been able to kill them. Like, and, right. and with Nemanja Bjelica as the stretch four, like that's been a a total formula for teams to just destroy Denver. And they didn't. They just they couldn't make shots. And Denver got in their grill and they got a victory in clutch time. Like that's just right. that's what D, that's what Denver's turned into right now. Right. Yeah. I mean that that Sacramento game. It was the athletic big man that actually. Uh, was what they struggled with the most with Rashawn Holmes down there. They they handled the backcourt uh, quite well, which is kind of interesting to to look at. I think on the on the the negative side of this defensively, where you're when you're looking at these individual performances, you think about the bad ones. It's it's usually it's been the bigs, right? It's it's usually been the big man. I mean, whether it was with Holmes with Sacramento, uh, Okafor in um, in New Orleans. The well, the Dallas game, I guess, is kind of weird. That I I can't even really remember if Chris Stapps did anything. Um, it wasn't great. It was honestly, it was, was more the of the game, bench. That was, yeah, well, that was the game where, like, every single player scored, like, 12 points. And yeah. They, yeah, it's, that one was kind of a, that's kind of an odd one. So, you know, like, it, it's it's kind of, it's what's weird is it's been, um, it's been sort of backwards of what we normally expect. It's been the backcourts they're containing, uh, but the bigs are, are the ones who are giving them, the the classic guys in the post are the ones who are giving them the, the most trouble. Yeah, that's that's been odd i know uh what was his name uh aaron baines also gave denver some issues in that phoenix game and it was devin booker who actually really struggled like right yeah yeah i mean he scored like 18 points or something right but he i think he took uh maybe like 21 shots yeah exactly i know know it it was it was bad (laughs) to have that ingrained in my memory because i keep thinking about gary harris man honestly gary has stood out so magnanimously for all the right reasons on the defensive end. He has uh, gotten into the guys. He has just made people uncomfortable. He has, when whenever the Nuggets are in need of a stop, he has been the one to, like, when you put him on there, he's been great. There was one time against Luka Doncic where Luka Doncic kind of blew past him. That's fine. Yeah. Like, like it, it happens every now and then. Like, you know, like, like, Marcus Smart last year, was blown past a couple of times and he still made, I think first team all defense, but like it it just happens. Uh, But Gary Harris, honestly, defensive MVP to start the year. Like I I was, I've been really impressed with what I've seen with him. Every star shooting guard that the nuggets have come across, except for Drew holiday, Harris has handled just absolutely put him in the torture rack. I don't even think Drew had that good of a game when I think about it. Like, Maybe he didn't. I I'll I'll have to let's let's take a look you. at that. Okay. Oh, you got me. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm again 19 points, but on 17 shots. Like it. Yeah, so it's not like wonderful. Seven, seven of 17 from the floor. I mean, that's that, yeah, that's not exactly fantastic. He hit his threes. Uh, is where where he got his points in that game. So. Um, that's that's just how you do it against Denver. Like, but but with Gary, he has done what I think he needs to do in order to be a consistently impactful player on this team. With Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic kind of being the offensive focal points, Gary has returned to a defensive first guard who right. is just just doing what he can do to improve the defense as much as possible, to take advantage of his matchup, no matter who it is on the opposing team, and just make their life hell. Uh, that's exactly what you need from an off guard, especially somebody next to Jamal Murray, who, while Jamal has made improvements, he's not exactly a stalwart on that end. So if you have Gary and he can switch onto those guys, that's a major, major asset for Denver. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, um, when he's now getting to that point where the, every team wants to have where you've got this guy and you're like, okay, 
It really doesn't matter. I mean, maybe some big threes in, the, in today's NBA. Obviously, you're not going to put, like, uh, Gary, you don't want to put him on. Uh, well, you might. You might even put him on, like, a guy like a Kawhi Leonard. That's going to be a tough matchup for him. But but that's what I'm saying. You're at that point now where you've got this guy where it's like, okay, whoever their best perimeter player is, it doesn't really matter if he plays point guard, shooting guard, small forward. We're going to go put Gary out on him because we're going to – that's our best bet is to just put Gary Harris – on on their best guy and and that's the, that's going to slow him down and and give us an opportunity to to win the matchup and and it, they've never the nuggets have not had a guy like that in that I mean on the perimeter like a long I mean like what like Dante Jones I guess would probably be the last time that you could they had yeah, a guy on that kind of level maybe so and and I think and even early, then I don't think he's not as he's as good as Gary Harris early career Aaron Aflalo kind of stands out as, yeah. as somebody who was, he was, was really getting into guys yeah no I I hear and he got torched by Kobe Bryant so <laughs> yeah, it's right. uh that's a that's a a thing that we will ignore <laughs> I think we uh, all just hate his offense so much that like it clouds our mind on his defense as well so yeah this week uh this upcoming week is going to be really interesting the Nuggets have had a pretty relatively weak schedule for offensive teams uh, Dallas and New Orleans are the ones that stand out as good offensive teams and they've had good offensive performances against Denver um, can the Nuggets sustain this against better competition? They're playing Miami tonight, uh, yeah. if you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, they're playing Philadelphia on Friday, and they're playing at Minnesota on Sunday. Uh, Joel Embiid will be back for that Friday game against the against yep. the Sixers, and Carl Anthony Towns will be back for that Sunday matchup against yep. the, the Timberwolves. So how are the Nuggets going to recreate these defensive performances, and can they? Yeah, well, I mean, it's listen. Jokic has never has struggled um, classically with, with with these type of centers. Just, I mean, talented, versatile centers are are a problem for him. He's, I, I think, he did okay against Embiid. He, they only played against each other once last season. Um, he honestly, feel like he put Jokic Embiid got in the, the better torture chamber. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I feel like I feel like Jokic got the better of him on that one. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, like that's just a good. Th- those guys go back and forth uh, all night because neither one of them is going to play a ton of defense against the other. They're gonna they, they just try to outscore him, and it makes for a fun matchup. So uh, it could be a level of where you're just like, okay, I mean, as much as as how they've been all season, like we'll take your best shot with your bigs, and we'll just lock up your backcourt. Uh, and and we'll be fine because most of these teams don't, you know, Miami, Philly, uh, Minnesota, not the most impressive backcourts uh, with with those teams. I mean, obviously Miami's got Jimmy Butler, and and uh, that's a that's going to be a tough cover for the Nuggets. But you'll probably put Gary Harris on him, um, and and, and go from there. So like, I, or Tory Craig, yeah, or Tory, yeah, exactly, or Tory Craig. I, well, I, but I think we'll probably be back in the starting lineup on two tonight. Well, I think I, I, I have think no questionable. Sources. I, like, I have um, no sources. So mm, nobody, okay. nobody put this out on the daily uh, or on the draft games. <laughs> exactly. But um, but you know that's what I'm saying. Like maybe maybe this is the way you take it. Like because I don't know that you're necessarily going to have a great answer uh, against guys like Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. Those guys are really good. They're they're probably going to at least do some damage regardless of what you try and do defensively to him. That Philly game is going to be a real gut check. Like we're going to, yeah. we're going to see how, how the nuggets match up oh, when, when Nikola Jokic is being defended by either Joel Embiid or Al Horford every day or every minute. And, and then Jamal Murray, he gets a, a nice rousing dose of Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul. Like yeah. Jesus, holy hell! That is, and that is the problem with Philly. Like I was, I, I take that back about their backcourt. I, I forget that their their point guard is freaking Ben Simmons. Like that, like <laughs> they're huge, which is yeah. And then and then Tybal man, like one of the one of the few, uh, or one of the, like the diamonds in the rough. That, that one of those guys you just like look at and you're like, how did he how did he fall so far uh, in the draft? But like man, that's that that that's gonna be a, a grinded out defensive game. The Nuggets are going to probably have to win. That's another game you're going to have to win 91 to 87, just like you beat Orlando. Agreed. Uh, in my article on Monday, I said, take the Nuggets team under on that game. Yes. <laughs> just because yes. there's, the there's going to the be point. a really tough job scoring on, on that night. Uh, but either way, I want you to do a quick exercise with me before we take another break of, of the Nuggets rotation players thus far. Let's eliminate Michael Porter Jr. Just for a second. 
I want you to rank the top five most impactful players defensively for the Nuggets. Uh, this is kind of impromptu. Haven't haven't asked them about it before. Haven't we? We try to share the the roundup for what we're going to talk about. I did not ask him to do this before. That's right. You just sprung this on me. I just realized that you probably shared the. Uh... Uh, this with me, but anyways, um, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> I've just been winging it. Um, the uh, the I'm sorry, Ryan. The, so all right, so the top five. Do you want me to go from five to one or, oh, or, no, no, or no. one yeah, to I five? Can, I can even go first. I, I'll 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 give you some. Yeah, stall give, me, time. give me some time to marinate. On Absolutely. This. Uh, let's go with number one. I think it has to be Gary Harris. I think he is just the guy who has. Every single matchup he has come across, he has done a great job. Uh, there's a number that I'm going to share later in this episode that I think really stands out with him. Uh, Paul Millsap, I think, is the second most impactful. He's been in the starting lineup every night. He's done a great job on his matchups. There are some guys that he still struggles with. I think some of the quicker guys like Brandon Ingram and Aaron Gordon. But overall, he's in the right place at the right time. I think that that's a, a massively important thing. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic, and the reason why he's the most impactful is because on one end, when he's good, he's really, really good. He is stopping players when he needs to, locking people up defensively. Uh, he can stick with even guys like De'Aaron Fox and, and Buddy Heald when he's not in, in like a disadvantageous position. Uh, that's a really, really important thing. Uh, number four, Jamal Murray has really improved. I think that his production, like I, I put him over guys like Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant because Jamal Murray's on the floor every single night and he's not being targeted anymore. Like though these teams that are trying to get other players involved or they aren't or they're just trying to go with their offense because they know that Jamal Murray is, is a little bit better. He's just, just showcasing a little bit more than he did before. So and then number five, we'll go with Torrey Craig. Uh, he's good. I think he's less impactful in this regular season than he has been in the past just because he's he's not being deployed as like strategically as he was before. He did have the game-winning block against Phoenix, and his block numbers so far have been insane. However, I think that there's more to it than that. Uh, there, there are other players that really helped out in those situations, and he's being put into positions of strength there. But against guys like Brandon Ingram, uh, Brandon Ingram dropped 25 points on him pretty easily, and, and there have been other performances like that, like Aaron Gordon being notable, where he just hasn't really done great on that individually. But either way, those would be my top five. How would you rank these guys so far? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to actually quarrel with you too much on on your rankings. I might go Torrey Craig a, a one spot higher than... Um, than Jamal Murray, just because, but, the, but you're right. There's probably some bias there. Did you know, like Jamal Murray is right now second on the team uh, in term, teams of ugh, in terms of defensive rebounds uh, per game, like really? like yeah, because like so like wow. Millsap and 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 Barton um, actually get more rebounds per game than him. A couple of other guys too, but it's because they're getting they're getting offensive boards, which is like Jamal like never gets. But uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. He's always yeah, out. True. He's out on the perimeter, um, or you know, d- driving to the basket, and somebody would be falling behind him. So, but yeah, second. At, I mean, Jokic dominates at eight point five d- defensive rebounds. Uh, per game, Jamal Murray second at four point two, just a hair above uh, Paul Millsap. At it's 4. a big 0, deal. So. That's a that's a big thing that Jamal can be impactful in that regard because once he grabs that ball, he can go and and that's right. the way that Denver speeds up their their offense and the speeds up their pace is if their point guard can grab a rebound and then just take off. So I, I do agree with you there. Yeah. So um, otherwise, though, I mean, like Gary Harris is clearly number one. There's the uh, anybody else who'd say anything otherwise is is. Uh, foolish and, and and it's like you said he's he's taken that next step or at least we're six games in so we'll maybe pump the brakes a little bit but uh you know <laughs> he looks like uh he has taken that next step he has certainly gone up against some very difficult competition um and and has shown shown that he's been more than capable of the task paul Millsap, uh definitely number two Jokic at number three is a little bit interesting because he's been up and down right like i mean that pelicans game was not good for him it, it just wasn't like uh, he got he got taken to task by Jaleel freaking Okafor, who which Agreed. like for for all of Jaleel's you know 
shortcomings. Like the guy got drafted number two overall because he could do one thing uh, really well, which is post offense, which is a weird thing to draft a guy number two overall for in this day and age. But uh, that, to his credit, he is a, a very good uh, low post offensive talent. And Jokic just could absolutely didn't have – uh, any answer for that as well. And like I said, against Sacramento, I mean, Rashawn Holmes, he, that guy, he what, got earned himself a starting job uh, based off of how he basically was able to dominate right. the Nuggets um, in, in that game. So that that one is, I think, maybe the, if I would, I would probably actually put Jokic maybe closer to like five. Um, and, and, and he would be the one where I maybe wouldn't have him in just because he's he's been up and down. But you're right, he's been very good uh, in the games that he has been good. Uh, he he's really helped them out. So, um, and maybe it's wrong. Maybe I, it's I'm trying wrong to think. To I'm trying to think who else to put in much. there instead of him. I mean, like who? But that that's the thing. Is like who else are you gonna put in there? I mean, um, Michael Porter Jr. has not been good on defense. Like I think we we've, we've all seen that. Uh, I guess Jeremy Grant, right? Like I mean, but he's. I actually think that that Grant's been a little bit disappointing. He's been scored yeah, upon like, a lot. Uh, when he, when he's matched up with various players, he's been scored on by bigger guys, by quicker guys, uh, guys that are just kind of taking him to task at a at a various points. But some of that's probably luck. I think that there's a lot of players that are shooting that are running a little bit lucky against Jeremy Grant, if you know what I mean. But once right. he gets more ingrained in this defense, once he gets more ingrained in the system, I think things will turn around. But he's been pretty disappointing thus far. Yeah, I I, w- I would tend to agree, and but some of that is just because he hasn't hit a three in like uh, years, eons. But yeah, <laughs> like, I think that that's just more we're, we're jaded against Jeremy Grant in, in general right now because he was every like he looks so good in preseason, right? So he'll um, he'll come around. I, I, have, come around, I right. have zero doubt in my mind. I am very high on Jeremy Grant. Right. I wonder if like defensively he's a bit wasted. I guess with with on on the bench because you've got Mason Plumley who essentially is fulfilling a very similar type of uh, role defensively. Whereas like when if he's out there with Jokic, like clearly Jokic we know is going to end up getting pulled out to the perimeter a lot uh, because teams are constantly going to put him in the pick and roll. So that really opens up that lane for the cuts for the roller whoever, and that's where you really want Jeremy Grant because he's. His number one defensive skill, right, is that weak side uh, rim protection, and and with Plumlee, you don't you don't get that as much. And I wonder if he's just kind of defensively. That's why we're we're not seeing like this, you know, this rim protector that he was kind of sold to us as. I'm I'm gonna push back on that, and the the particular thing that I'm pushing back on is his number one defensive skill being like weak side rim protection. I think that the Nuggets are going to eventually find that Jeremy Grant is best when he's defending a ball handler, like where he is like literally defending point guards and, or defending shooting guards that are handling the ball because he is so great as a switch guy, as somebody who can he is. who can play with and contain the ball because he's so agile and so long that that's, that's a skill that the Nuggets need, especially against the taller ball handlers. He is, and, and that's a, uh, you know, and that, that pushes it back in the other way because no teams, if they've got the choice, uh, and, like, a team like Houston is great at this, you know, like, if they've, they've got a choice, like, if you got Jeremy Grant and Nicole Jokic out there and, like, well, which one of these two guys do we want to throw into the pick and roll? Like, they're, they're not going to do Jeremy Grant anytime. They're like, no, let's let's get Jokic out here and, and we'll we'll make him cover uh, cover the ball handler instead of Jeremy Grant. Whereas, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's Mason Plumlee that, that – that, um, decision isn't quite as easy though. Plumlee also is a guy you probably would rather have out there. But no, I, I mean I like that. I agree. I I just wonder how much teams w- would just avoid that by preference. Considering, like I said, a lot of and not everyone, but a lot of teams really, if they want to get uh, Jokic into into the pick and roll scenario, they'll do it. And then and then they'll, they'll, again they'll still by just you know by the nature of the play, uh, they'll force Grant into be kind of being that um, that weak side help. That that, but the, the Nuggets need that, like because that that's what they need. So I'm not, I won't say that you know necessarily that that hits his best skill um, overall, but I would still say like for if if you plan on playing next to Nikola Jokic, you're going to probably need that more 
than getting him on the switch. Uh, but I do, I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, the guy's the guy's very physically gifted to do it, and he's also a guy you could put if you're getting killed by LeBron James, you can make that adjustment and just be like, all right, we're just gonna put Grant uh, on LeBron James, and and cover, you know he can cover those kind of big this day and age big bigger ball handers. A guy like Luka Doncic, if if Gary Harris wasn't up to the task, Jeremy Grant might be the next guy you would, you would decide to put on him. I think I agree there. Um, okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to do one more segment. Ten stats. Are they real or are they not real? One stat for every single rotation player thus far. We will be right back. Mikash here assisting me on this episode. I want to get into the final segment here. We have 10 basic rotation players, not counting Michael Porter Jr., except for maybe right at the end. So stay tuned if you're if you're interested in a Michael Porter Jr. take. Um, I want to go get into 10 stats, one for every single rotation guy. Starting with Nikola Jokic, he has been the the most important piece, of course. I think Jamal Murray's been the best player. Uh but that's a that's neither here or there with this. Nikola Jokic, thirty percent from three. That's what he's currently shooting right now. Is that real or is that not real? Um, and I want to say not real because I almost feel like it's got to be worse than that, right? Oh, actually, oh, okay. So let me let me rephrase the game. These are all like actual stats that I'm going with. Like these oh. are the, the these are actually like the factual stats. Oh, uh, the, I the, see. the purpose of this one. And <laughs> well, no, me, uh, and I'm correct. It's twenty eight point six. Get your numbers right. <laughs> all right. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, so can we expect that? So Jokic. Um, remember, like we all thought Jokic was going to be like a forty percent three point shooter one once upon a time when we were a little a little too drunk on the. On the Jokic love there, uh, and he so he's actually kind of steadily declined. This, like he said, thirty percent, a little bit under. In fact, so far, is that real? Is that not real? Uh, I don't think he's going to get much higher than thirty-three. I'll say that. And here's the thing: when Jokic has been at his best, um, shooting is when he's come off, been coming off off seasons necessarily where he hasn't. Uh, been playing in the World Cup, or when he's had, Fair. I think it was it was two seasons ago when he really it, it seemed like he was shooting his best, um, particularly from three. And I think his numbers were actually a little bit down because because the volume was up so much. But he's talked about this in the past, like when he's had the time to focus on it, he he will spend a lot of time focusing in the off season on shooting, and and that's really how he ended up developing um, a consistent enough three point shot. He didn't have that opportunity really to to really work on it at all this this year. So I I don't expect him to be above league average, slightly under, which is fine. Like you need just enough, uh, just he's still good enough to where you kind of have to respect it. Um, but he's also the type of player who's not just going to jack threes, you know. So like he he won't kill you with it either. But pretty close to real, to be honest, with that thirty percent three point shooting. It's too bad because I think that's a really big indicator of where Denver could be offensively in the future is if he's shooting 38% or 40%, then Denver becomes just so much more dangerous on the offensive end when he's, when the, when the opposing big isn't like they have to bite on pump fakes the entire time because he is canning shots. All right, let's let's go with Jamal Murray here as the second guy. He's currently averaging 3.5 assists per game. Is that real or not real? That's another tough one. Because um, I want to say real, like, again, and, and you definitely want more out of your point guard than 3.5 assists per game. But this is Jamal Murray playing with Nikola Jokic, and I don't, I don't necessarily that that is actually quite as true. So, uh, you know, you're going to look at Jamal to be more of of a scorer for you, he's he's actually plays quite a bit off ball. I mean, he screens. He's actually the screener uh, as much as as Jokic is screening for him. So uh, there's there's a lot that's set up in the Nuggets' offense for him to score, not necessarily so much uh, to pass. I think it would go up a little bit. I mean, I would I would I would expect him to be in the mid to high fours, but he's certainly never going to be a guy who's going to be you know eight nine assists per game kind of guy. I was just going to set the over under at five assists per game in 1920. 
Are you going That's, over or under? I will take I will take under. Interesting. Slightly. slightly I have but... I have been really impressed with what I've seen from Jamal in terms of his passing. He hasn't had as many opportunities. However, I think that when he has had to pass, when he not and not have to, like when he gets to pass, when he has the opportunity to hit guys, I think those guys have kind of let him down in terms of the actual number that they're shooting when he's passing the ball. So I think that there's a, a significant chance that when the passes go up and when guys are shooting a little bit better, that his number could rise over five. So I think I'm actually going to take the over on this. And and that's uh that's that's just where I'm at with it. We'll we'll see we'll see who's right in the end because I think that it's going to come down to the wire. He'll For be the right record. At, yeah. If you if you had set it at four point seven, I'd probably take the over. So it's like it's that close. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I do think it's really close. I think it's a I think five a is good a good line. it's a good line. Um. Okay. Gary Harris. I I teased the stat earlier in the podcast. When he's defending opposing players, when he's got the guy credited as the defender for the shot, he is allowing 35.2% from the field. That is 10% below average for the shots his opponents are taking. That is patently absurd and probably isn't like isn't going to stay that low. But let's go with uh let's go with 38% for his real or not real defensive contribution. I mean, I think it's again. I'm gonna go with real because I, I, I think Gary understands like this is this is his best way to contribute to the team. Like, yes, they need him to to help them score and 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 be a shooter and space the floor for them. Uh, but his number one contribution to this team can be be his defense, and it seems like he's fully fully bought in on this now. Uh, and so, of course, it, it'll be a measure of. Whether or not he can be healthy uh, to to really judge how impactful he can be on on a big picture view, but on the small picture view of individual possessions and, and, and covering guys one on one and you know their success shooting the, the ball, like yeah, you, I mean Gary's he's one of uh, the best perimeter defenders in the league right now. There's there's it's really hard to argue uh, any other way. So I, I would say that, that I'm taking the real on 38 percent from opponent shooting. It's a pretty it's a pretty incredible number. Uh that I don't think it's going to stay like that the entire year. I think that it's probably not real, but it's not going to be much higher than that honestly. He is a a really solid really really solid guy at just staying in front of his man and challenging every shot. And like it's that comes down to his fundamentals, that comes down to his explosiveness. Uh, being able to stay with a lot of different guys, a lot like bigger guys, stronger guys, quicker guys, like shorter guys, like wh- whoever whoever's matched up with, like he he has done a great job there. So uh, let's move on. Paul Millsap, uh, he has attempted the highest percentage of threes in his career. Thirty two point one percent of his attempts from the field are three point shots. Is that real or not real? Oh, it's totally real. That and that's the old man game right there. Like Paul's like he's like what, like thirty six? He's, he's he's like, Man, I'm done. I'm done banging down low all game he's long. Like, I'm gonna sit out here. He's thirty four, he's still yeah, he's still don't, don't, give him, don't put him too high now. Come on now. I was trying to think he was older than me, but he's actually the same age. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Makes me feel old. But no, but that but that's what I'm saying. Like, man, he's he's he will continue to set uh, career highs in percentage of, of shots taken that are three pointers for the rest of his career. I can guarantee you <laughs> on that because like this is what happens. Like when you're that type of player, like you he's developed an outside game over his career. You know, he used to be when he was a rookie, uh, not not any younger guy, especially in Utah. He wasn't a he was more of a uh, a, a rebounding and kind of energy guy, and then also could beat you with your mid range game. He's extended that out over the career to to his three point game, and like now at thirty four, he's like, man, I'm telling you, he's not going to sit down there and bang with with the bigs uh, back to the basket. Teams don't want him to do that anyway, so uh, that is very real. He will continue, like I said. I, I would not ex- be surprised at all if he sets a new personal best in that number every single season from here on out. Looking forward to it. I think I'm. Go- I think I'm going to go with real as well. This feels like a transition year, just like you right. said. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, and, and and it's fine because you like 
Paul's skill set was aging out in across the NBA in general. Like that's just not as valuable as skill set on offense. It's way way more valuable to have a stretch four than it is to have a uh, back to the basket four. So like they they will the Nuggets will be happy with that. The question is, will he be able to hit? Uh, at a consistent rate, because what is he on on the year right now? He's like 42. 40, 41.2. Hey, that's yeah. right. Check it out. So yeah, if he can shoot forty one percent, take all the threes he wants. Agreed. I think that he should be jacking up even more at that rate. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. So Will Barton right now, he has started one hundred percent of the games at small forward that he has played in. Uh. Will that number hold up this year while he's fully healthy, assuming that they don't just ease him back into the starting lineup and those games don't count? Whenever he's fully healthy, real or not real, that he starts 100% of the games this year at small forward? Uh, I'm going to say not real, and and here's why. Because he won't be healthy, and I know that's not part of your question, but what will happen is somebody, probably Michael Porter Jr., is going to get the opportunity, and and we've seen it time and time again when opportunity presents it. We already saw a flash of it against New Orleans that eventually a, a younger guy will can come along and seize that. You know, we saw it when, when you think about like a guy like Fareed, uh, when he basically just took Nene's job. They ended up trading him for JaVale McGee. Thanks, Masai Ujiri. Um, and, and they ended up, uh, you know, and, and then that was the end of like Nene's tenure with the Nuggets because he got hurt. This rookie came in, was playing really well, and you really then couldn't uh, couldn't take him out. I think the exact same thing could happen to Will Barton this year, particularly with a guy like Michael Porter Jr. waiting in the wings. That'll be interesting. I, I honestly, I'm going to go the other way on it. I really do think that Will Barton's going to start almost, if not all, of the games at small forward that he's healthy, because he the the Nuggets have played very well thus far with Barton at that position. That may not hold up, but I honestly think it will. I think that this Murray Harris Barton Millsap Jokic lineup. If it turns into Barton Grant Jokic lineup, that could also be a thing. But like all of those guys, I think that there's a there's a realistic possibility that the Nuggets are just really good and they don't want to change anything. And they'll they'll eventually figure this out. They'll eventually figure out the slump that they're in. And so once they do, Will Barton's going to continue to be a part of what's successful with them. So I don't think that there's going to be a reason to take him out of that lineup. There may be a reason to play. Porter off the bench, but we'll we'll see where that goes. Well, I mean, you should know, like when we did our Stiffs predictions uh, thread or roundtable, I, I my my hot take was Michael Porter Jr. will start by the end of the season. So, like, I'm I'm all in on this. Like, I have to, you know, I got to stick to my guns here. So, I also had the hot take on a separate podcast that I don't know if I necessarily believe right now, but that the final lineup going into the playoffs will be Murray, Harris, Porter, Grant, Jokic. And that's kind of the future lineup that the Nuggets fans are working with. That it's, I think that's a that's a fun lineup that the Nuggets are going to really enjoy. But I don't know if it's going to fully be released this year. Right, it's definitely the highest ceiling of any lineup that they can put out right now. Um, but uh, you're you're still kind of looking at okay, Jeremy Grant and his fit, and then obviously Michael Porter Jr. We've seen we've seen both sides of it, man. He's been he's been electric uh, in moments, and then he's he's looked like a rookie in moments. So. You know, we'll see, we'll have to see on that one, but I I think I think he can do it. Agreed. Let's go rapid fire through the bench guys right now. Uh, Monte Morris has played fifteen point eight minutes per game, lower a lot lower than last year. Is that real or not real? Uh, probably pretty real, just because it, it's it. Two things are happening, Monty. I mean, he's been okay. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to end up getting called out on Twitter again. But, um, <laughs> he also, I mean, he's he's. He's just not like the Nuggets are going to play heavy minutes uh, for Murray and and Harris, and that's not going to leave a ton of time uh, for for Monty. And so I, I would say that that maybe it's going to tick up a little bit, but I wouldn't expect him to to be matching what he got last year. I ha- I am surprised that we haven't seen more of the Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Gary Harris lineup. I well, feel he's like he's got Malik Beasley yeah. in there too now, and that's and so it seems like your coach is just not going to put. Um, Murray, he's really not playing Murray a ton uh, at, at the two two guard. Yeah, and and that may that may continue, that may not continue. We'll see what happens. All right, Malik Beasley, eleven point six points per one hundred possessions, worse on defense with Beasley on the floor. They've been really bad with when Beasley has come on. It's the worst on the team. 
Uh, is that real or not real? Uh, that's real. I mean, I, I think that's that's it's always been the knock on on Malik is his defense. He's just a guy who, uh, you know, uh, coach talks about about it with Michael Porter Jr. And I think we still you you would hope at this point with Malik going into his fourth year, it wouldn't be this case. I think we still see like he seems like sh- it's like he struggles with the terminology or something or with the concepts of how they run their defense because it it seems like he's either a really struggling off ball, but B also this, he's not been good defending on ball uh, either. He's been giving up a lot of, uh, a lot of blow buys, right? Which I think the Nuggets actually keep track of. It'd be interesting to see uh, how many they've got Malik Beasley for this year. He, I, I think that's just, I just think that is who he is. I think he's an, an extremely gifted offensive guy, but defensively, I don't know that he'll ever be that good. Agreed. I mean, it's, it's too bad. That's what's barring him for being a starting caliber shooting guard because right. he does have the offense to do it. Uh, it's it's still irregular right now, but he is, he's really rounding into form in terms of his three-point shot. Um, but the, the defense, man, it's, that's going to be what prevents him from playing major clutch time minutes, honestly. Right. Uh, number eight, Jeremy Grant, 21.1% from three. We touched on this already. Is that real or not real? That's got to be not real because it's so bad, right? Like, I mean, he, he, <laughs> it, 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 he won't be shooting threes for very long. He keeps shooting at 21%. Uh, so, like, he, I mean, I again, he's going to be kind of similar to Jokic. I don't think he'll be at league average. I think he'll be a ticker or so below it. But I would expect him somewhere into that 30, low 30s. Uh, range when it's all said and done because it, it, he looked he looked fine shooting the three uh, in preseason. He, it, it certainly feels like with him this is just you know statistical white noise and not not nas- in any way a trend we should be uh, we should be following at this point. Should hope so because that that three point shot is really key for what Denver wants to be doing. So if he right. if he can't space that floor from the from the power forward position, then things are going to change with with bringing him back next year, I think. Uh, and by the way, Trey Lyles, he also shot really badly from three to start the year and shot even worse at the end of the year. So, <laughs> it never uh, got any better. It just, it was never bad. It was never great. Um, Mason Plumlee, number nine, he has career highs in rebounds and assists per 36 minutes this year. So he's basically been super productive, just been very involved in what the Nuggets are doing. Is that real or not real? Man, Mason has been like the most, outside of Jokic, obviously, probably the most impressive uh, passer on the team so far for me. Like he's, he's Agreed. And, and he is doing what the Nuggets brought him in to do when they traded for him. Uh, years back, which is giving you not he's not Jokic, but he's giving you at least a Jokic light that you can still run a lot of the same concepts uh, with that guy in there. He's been he's been fantastic, and I I think it's again just, just the continuity and the guys like he's f- been in with the Nuggets now. This is his second uh, what training camp he's been through with them. He's had he had a whole full season last year. Like Mason, it seems like uh, is that or is it even two years now that he's been on the team? Uh, two full seasons and then. I can't remember, but uh, no, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But anyways, like I mean, the the the, the point still stands is like he's he I feel like is like fully understands what this team is doing, and and he he's a guy who's gonna bring the energy, like you said, uh, every night. So yeah, I would say this is real. I think, and he's in a contract here, so we should expect him to have uh, the best production uh, that he's had in in his career. I think that there's definitely an argument that the Nuggets should use Jamal Murray as another guard on the second unit just because the problem with Mace has is not that he can't like like he's just not as dynamic as what Nikola Jokic does and that that carries Denver's offense so by adding another ball handle adding adding another guy who Nikola Jokic really excels with with Jamal Murray I think that there might be something there uh, with a Morris Murray Let's say Beasley, Grant, Yo- or Plumley lineup. I think that there there might be something there if if the Nuggets just want to cut out the middleman on that small forward position, um, or just I, start Michael Porter Jr. and you got there your Will Barton <laughs> off the bench and there's your there's your ball handler. There there you go. Hey, I, we know we know where Zach's head is at. <laughs> um, last one, Tory Craig. He's, he's shot thirty two point four percent on true shooting. It's been really bad inside the arc. It's been bad outside the arc. Even worse outside the arc. Honestly, it's just yeah. been bad. And and like I I wrote about this a little bit for the this week in Nuggets article. Like Nikola Jokic is hitting him wide open with nobody around him, and he's just bricking shots. And that's that's just something the Nuggets cannot deal with in their starting lineup. He he has to be able to knock down those wide open threes. 
Yeah, I mean, and we, like you said, I mean, it's it's just been it's just been bad. I mean, what the fifteen percent from three, like, uh, it, it like twenty seven percent from the floor overall, like you that those are abysmal numbers. Like those are Andre Roberson numbers. Like that, and and so they told Andre Roberson to just not shoot the ball anymore. You know, like that's that's kind of where you're at. Uh, with a Tory Craig right now, but and it's just so weird because he's like this bipolar shooter. Because yeah, you go back to the playoffs last year, and and basically from March on, and he shot like over forty percent from three. And you're like Tory Craig could be the starting small forward because he could be a true three and D guy. And now it's just back to right where they were at the beginning of last season when he couldn't hit anything. And 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 we we saw it. I saw I saw it in the Orlando game. Like there was definitely moments where they're like, yeah, shoot it, Tory. Like. And here's yeah, the thing, like, no like problem. good shooters, they make those shots. That it's it's right. not like a it's not Jamal a situation makes those where shots. yeah Jamal makes those shots. Even though he has missed some when he's wide open, he's made a lot when he's just mm. open. When when right. like the situation calls for him to make a shot, and he will make a shot. The problem with with Tori is that these these are shots that like you you don't have to be Clay Thompson to make those like. They they just have to get yeah, him. The defense to, is giving him to him to make those at a three out of ten or a four out of ten clip, and and it's it's just brutal to watch. So is that is this real or not real? Do you think he brings it up at, like significantly? Oh, I man, I don't know because it's that's like I said. He's so it's. I, I don't know which Tory is the real Tory, but I'm going to say it's probably real. I guess this is what you're asking me, uh, the point of the, of the segment. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it's real, man. I just I, – I think this is – he just I – don't, I don't know what it is, but it, for whatever reason, like, I, it seems like maybe he's just not a guy – he's a guy that the defense will always be willing – to let take a shot from three point land because they figure they've got a good chance he's going to miss it. And and I'm I'm rooting for Tori to figure this out because right. when when he's out there he can be a really really impactful defender, somebody who can get under the skin of anybody that he's guarding. The problem is that when you have a guy that his defender like Brandon Ingram was the was the example that I had. If he's under the rim rotating out on Jokic, like Jokic has to pass that ball or else he's shooting in a triple team. And then you you know, start arguing about does Jokic need to be more aggressive? No, he needs to hit the open guy for a shot, and the shot needs to go in. Like that, right. that's the that's the whole spiral effect of this. So, all right, bonus question because I have you, and we're already over an hour. So if you're still listening to it, <laughs> this is your bonus for Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. in his two games has averaged 14 minutes per game. Over under 14 minutes per game in this week against the Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, and Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, big under, big under, because I think Will Barton, <laughs> pretty sure Will Barton's going to play. And I think yeah. Will Barton plays, Michael Porter Jr. probably does not. So um, that that that's really it. Otherwise, I, like I say, it's nothing like him. It's just I, I think Coach, he will stick with Torrey Craig for at least one more week, I feel like. so. Um, I think I agree then, with you. Yeah, so maybe we'll see next week. But yeah, this time I think it is. Uh, there will be no. He will be on the under on the fourteen minutes per game. He'll probably be close to like you know zero. Yeah, it's probably where it's at. And and if they get into a blowout one way or the other against these teams, then Michael Porter Jr. will certainly be out there. But in terms of regular rotation minutes, I'm just not seeing it right now. Uh, but the. The reckoning is coming, honestly, where right. where if, if Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant, to be fair, if they continue to shoot this poorly, then Malone's going to have to make a choice. And you can either continue to let this happen, let the Nuggets 19th overall offensive rating offense continue to flounder, or you can do something about it. And it's not as simple as guys just making shots. Like sometimes you have to put them in a more optimal position. And Michael Porter Jr. probably provides that a little bit more than some of the guys that are playing small forward right now. So, like, more than Wacho Hernan Gomez, I think, and, and more than Torrey Craig. So, we're going to see what happens. I am looking forward to seeing how that goes. But, again, I'm going under on that just because, well, I mean, so, there's there's no other argument there. Let me throw two Nuggets numbers out here just because I'm on uh, the ESPN website. And I have, I have no idea what these numbers mean. But just, just a point to throw out there. Uh, you know, ESN, ESPN has some stats they've made up called scoring efficiency and shooting efficiency. Uh, and do you know who leads the Nuggets in both categories? Uh, in scoring efficiency? Oh, man. I would guess Will Barton. That is oh, 
Will Barton is actually fourth. Mm, who's who's the leader? It'd be Michael Porter Jr. Mm, okay. Uh, what about shooting efficiency? It'd be Michael Porter Jr. Mm. So there you okay. go. Uh yeah, so let's. Uh, I know that he has to hit the the little things, and there there are things it's, that if if you are if you are completely ignoring what your coach is telling you to do, then the coach has to pull you. Like right. I, I, even if you're Nikola Jokic, honestly, like I I don't care. Like there, Michael Malone loses all credibility if he just lets a, a rookie walk all over him when he has right. some things to say. However, you're right, like. Sometimes the talent is just like you have to walk that line in terms of saying, okay, here's the things you have to do. Now go be a basketball player. And if you right. can't do if, – if Michael Malone can't do that, then I think that this is going to be a really tough year for the Nuggets small forward position in general because they have an asset there that they, they can use. And it's yep. going to be too bad if they can't. It's going to be a tough year for the comment section at Denver Stiffs as well. Oh. Tough year for the moderators. Yeah. <laughs> hey, take take your butts over to DenverStiffs.com and, and let us know what you think about our stats. Let us know what you think about the podcast in general. We've been having a lot of fun doing them. Been doing one every one every day for or yeah, pretty much pretty much weekdays for for our podcasts lately. So if you enjoy them, uh, hit like or not. That's this isn't a YouTube video. Uh, Comment comment down below in, in the, the podcast comments. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel. Uh, thank you for listening to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, uh, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Zach Mikosh, it, do you have anything left to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, I am uh, I am good. I need to get to bed. So uh... Yes, you do. Uh, he is he is Zach Mikosh, deputy editor for the Denver Stiffs site at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Uh, make sure to check out his podcast. Make sure to check out the Denver Stiffs show on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. So we should uh, be uh, we should be live from the Pepsi Center this uh, this week, right? Yeah, we're Friday, Friday we're going Friday, Friday night. That's that's All the right. Philadelphia game. So I hope that uh, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid get into a fight. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> great podcast content. Great content for NBA Twitter. So. But that's going to do it here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way through. We will see you guys next week.